0: action park media
1: you guys are in for such a treat i talked to the amazing liz letchford she is a body whisperer i'll let her explain more this is pretty depressed with liz Everyone, welcome to today's episode. I am joined by the beautiful Liz. Now, if you want someone to follow on the internet, I've spent most of my morning going down a beautiful rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> i just really generous content, I think is what I'll say. So many great tips and tricks. Also, a lot of nuggets. And I have written so many notes of things I want to uh, chat to you about. But first of all, I guess I should welcome you. Welcome, Liz.
0: Thank you. It's so good to be here.
1: Uh, The first place I want to start is how emotional health and physical health are connected in your mind. Then we'll kind of backtrack, I think, into how you got into this space. But that might be a concept that people either don't agree with or don't quite understand. so.
0: So emotional and physical health and how they're related. Yeah. Yeah. Well, whenever we have emotions that are not expressed. So say something happened to us when we were young and it got kind of locked and frozen in time, that energy doesn't go away. That emotion doesn't go away and it starts to drive our, our physical system as well as our behavior throughout throughout the rest of our life. And so the emotions that are unexpressed cause a uh, an experience in your physical body of Basically, if you were to give that emotion a voice, it'd be like, please feel me, please feel me, please feel me. And it can manifest if we don't actually have the ability or the perceptive awareness to understand it's an emotion that needs to be expressed. It's going to express itself in different ways. So that might look like chronic inflammation. That might look like disease. That might look like cancer. um, It might look like a neurological disorder. And so we're just starting to explore where the mind and body are connected and the importance of emotions and how they actually affect your uh, brain body connection, your fascia, and then the way your body moves and responds and receives information.
1: That was such an elegant, elegant way of uh, eloqu- eloquent, eloquent and elegant way of describing that. Uh, I guess and you can go into this as much or as little in my research you, you said you had an experience when you were younger and so like in your adult life is that correct you kind of started doing this work is that fair
0: Oh yeah when I was young I I was so curious about bodies and people and spaces I was a very introverted child I read a lot of books I was very curious about how the body works uh when I was 6 months old I had a very very now that I'm an adult looking back at my like little baby behavior I'm like oh I had a very very sensitive nervous system so whenever I would get upset or feel an overwhelming emotion I would hold my breath turn blue and pass out so my emotional system had a direct effect on my ability to breathe and my central nervous system and my my sympathetic nervous system and Uh, so my parents had, my parents were young. They had me when they were 21. And so they had no idea what to do with a kid who was turning blue and passing out as you can imagine. So they took me to the doctors and they decided to test for meningitis, which is a spinal tap. So at six months old, I was forced into a position. My parents were not in the room. I had my You know, closed tube opened for the first time. And my nervous system remembered that all the way until I was 34 years old when I excavated this somatic memory in a somatic therapy session. I was working with someone who was trained in internal family systems. And I started kicking and screaming and I was like, what? I don't remember anything happening like this. What's going on? Can
1: I, can I pause you just because yeah. if in case people aren't aware, could you just elaborate slightly on what that kind of therapy is? Um, a lot of our yeah. audience from New Zealand and so talk therapy is new there. So we're a bit oh, wow but just to kind of yes. maybe elaborate on what that might be. Cause I can feel ears probably pricking up. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So this particular, particular methodology is going into a, a body sensation and, and then re- allowing the body to remember uh, what happened without creating a narrative around it. So I had no story. My body just wanted to kick. I wanted to scream, get off. And I immediately after had more sensation in my legs more energy flowing through my spine and uh three days later my uh, Extrasensory perception came online, which is what we call proprioceptive awareness So I had more awareness of my body in space basically my right brain was waking up Uh that was previously blocked by this trauma. So I had no memory of this I ended up calling my mom after the session being like hey (laughs) Uh, Am I making this up or did something happen when I was a baby? And she told me the story of the spinal tap. I had no idea. And so that just got me real curious as someone who has a PhD in biomechanics and physiology and kinesiology. I studied for 10 years and worked one-on-one with people and worked with sports teams all the way from high school to professional and worked so often to be like, okay, what's causing injuries? How can we prevent injuries? How do we treat injuries the best? What happens to the psyche as we're going through an injury? Um, and, uh, and I was just like, oh, well, this is not something that I learned in school. (laughs) So I just went down this personal investigation. Um, so that, so that, That discovery really uh, took me down a two-year journey of healing my body, getting my proprioceptive awareness, my body's awareness of itself back online. And then uh, because of my knowledge, my left brain knowledge, my logical knowledge that I learned from school paired with now this very personal um, high level of somatic awareness, which you think about like baby Liz before who was so overwhelmed by emotions. I worked through that. I became that sensitive again, that was cut off as soon as I had the spinal tap. So all of that came back online. So you can imagine I was a very sensitive person. Every, um, every emotion I felt it all the way through and it, it it caused movement in my body. And uh it it took me two years to get to a place where I w- could go out in public without being overwhelmed, where I didn't have to be so precious with my sensitivity, my ability to be affected by my environment. And so now I teach people from having been in the chaos of that experience and worked my way out. Uh, I teach people how to do that through a, a breath practice that really saved me <laughs> and saved my uh, ability to understand and move through some of the stories that were keeping me trapped in this um, anxiety, in this chaos, and in this hypersensitivity that I was experiencing.
1: Um, Would it be correct, and maybe um, you can speak to your experience, but was there a lot of information around what you were going through? Were you kind of like pioneering it for yourself?
0: Oh boy, that's such a good question. So uh, I, I, didn't grow up with any embodied spiritual practices. So what I mean by that is I grew up Catholic. And so we just sort of like did what we were told and, you know, went through all of the uh, different initiations. I ended up stopping and moving to more of a, a non-denominational church and, um, and so, but still there was nothing that was like, Hey, this is how you, uh, experience worship or devotion or celebration or ecstasy in your body. It's like, don't fill your body. Just trust us and do these things. Mm-hmm. And there are other spiritual religious practices or, um, uh, cultures that have more somatic practices that can explain what happens when a body starts to increase its conscious awareness. So, for example, um, Hindu or Buddhism have mystical traditions that are very embodied or tantra has, has practices. I never really felt he was like okay well I guess what's happening to me is accidentally a kundalini awakening like I don't I don't but I don't know what this is so uh, what is happening? like I'm not making it up because I don't know what it is and I, I've never seen this before and so I was in this very strange place of like I don't want to appropriate someone else's culture but it is very real what I'm going through and so I got to watch myself <laughs> hilariously Tether this very personal and universal human experience of the body and the brain communicating more effectively with each with itself as something that has been observed in many traditions, and given a name and said, "If you are a priestess, this is what is this is what happens. If you're a tantrika, this is what is this is what you're doing." And it's really just people observing the body waking up and either systematizing it or uh, saying, okay, you're relegated into this category. You're a Dakini or you're a Tantrika or you're a priestess. or And I just, w- and I was like, I don't feel like any of those things. So I like dabbled in it a little bit to be like, what do you guys call this? Because, uh, I feel like I'm going insane. And <laughs> so, um, and I eventually realized Oh my gosh. When we look at it from the perspective of biology and physiology, it is truly just the brain waking up, the body waking up and feeling and being sensitive to the environment around itself, being sensitive to frequency and light at its very base. And we live in a society that like, that's quote unquote, woo woo, or that's crazy, or it's a, a psychosomatic experience. And I can tell you it's, it is, and it isn't. And so there's this duality that we're living in of like, if it's, if it's not in my head, then it's real. It's like, no, no, no. Also our thoughts create our reality. We know that we've done experiments where if you talk well to a plant and then you talk terrible to another plant, the plant you talk terrible to starts to die quicker and so if that's in my head then I want that like I want to acknowledge and respect that because my head is clearly very powerful and so we have this duality of existence of I am either powerful or not or I'm either crazy or I'm not or or you know I'm I'm making it up or I'm not and it's it's both and that's sometimes a really, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance there. It's a really difficult concept to move through. Mm -hmm. I moved through it. And now my work is to help people come back to themselves through whatever means, whether it's mythology or biology or ecology that helps you tell the story of what's going on without subscribing to any one narrative. Hey, my body's waking up. I'm experiencing this fear. My body's shaking on its own. I'm really I'm really scared about what my mind is thinking. And I take people from this fear state of what's going on, very real situation in their mental process, their physical process, and move them through whatever means necessary into a place where they're liberated from that belief, from that experience, and they can actually work with it. So I work a lot in... It with people's fears and help really paint a picture for them of hey, are you making this up? Like, who told you this story? Is this your? Are these your words? <laughs> what? Where did this story come from? Is this a, a five thousand year old mystic tradition that you're regurgitating? Like, I honor teachers and I honor lineage, and they didn't have VR. Or McDonald's, or Tesla's. And so we need a new mythology in order to explain the things that are happening in our society today. We're different than we were five thousand years ago, for sure. Thank goodness
1: is there and um, I may be way off track here, but I'm just trying to like reach my mind with things that I may have read in this sphere. I, I believe it was a Louise Hay book and it was like heal your mind heal your body and there was a um, kind of glossary in there of if you're experiencing chronic pain in certain areas it paired it with sort of a mantra because there was some correlation with um uh weight and shoulders or neck pain around like um and and uh issues with a parent or a father like there were sort of different things do you um subscribe to that in terms of if we're looking at people's say that coming to you with a pain or a chronic pain or an ankle or something do you subscribe to like that has a direct um that you would perhaps know what that might be related to in terms of trauma or is it more of Mm -hmm. a does that make sense
0: it does yeah i i you're asking if someone's like hey i have shoulder pain i'm like oh it's your mom (laughs) you know yeah i'm just
1: wondering if like um you know for example if For you, like you, uh, you were having different symptoms, and then they're like, "Oh, it was a childhood trauma." Yeah, Mm -hmm. I just wondered if if you subscribe to the idea that certain traumas will manifest in uh, common places for people.
0: Absolutely. So I see patterns, and as a scientist, one thing that I realize about observing patterns and trends is it's not a catch-all for everyone's experience, and so the body is quite complex, quite complex, and so we here's my philosophy of what's happening. We haven't yet had the tools to be able to measure this, but here's what I can, here's what I'm (laughs) assuming in the brain, in the picture of what's happening when I'm working with someone, they experience a trauma, something that says it's not safe to feel that's going to turn off the lights in a particular spiral pathway within their fascia Now that spiral pathway is gonna go from your big toe all the way up behind your ankle all the way up, and it's gonna, it's gonna attach somewhere that's going to give you the loudest signal. Now that attachment site is gonna go all the way up to your head, right? So that that fascial line takes a trip all the way up. There's, you know, the hip bones connected to the ankle bone or whatever. It's all connected. And so it's just a matter of where is the weakest point. Often that weakest point can be from an actual physical injury that happened or from an ability, uh, um, an inability for your posture to be uh, effective because of whatever happened. So you might be walking funny and that puts a lot of tension on your low back. A lot of us don't have a lot of access to our pelvic floor strength and our adductor strength and our hamstring strength. And so we tend to have the point of. Of the weakest point ends up being our low back, and we get a lot of uh, vertebral pathology, and we get a lot of um, like you can hear lumbar disc issues, <laughs> and so wherever the wherever that point is where it's causing the loudest signal. That's what we care about. And it's like, great. This could be like mommy wounds or daddy wounds or a trauma that happened because you were violated and it's manifesting now here, you know, in your shoulder, manifesting in your pelvic floor. I obviously do see trends. So our left side is our creative side. It's our receptive side. So whenever we're receptive to ourselves, really receptive and listening and open, we, which is our right brain, is controlling that, which we know is the creative brain. If we have any fear around being open, it will likely manifest on our left side, which we've said, you know, certain ancient tradi- traditions have said it's your feminine side. Similarly, on the masculine side, any ways that we're Overextending ourselves too rigid, too logical, or afraid to be rigid or logical, or afraid to do things at a particular time. Whatever stories that have manifested throughout the course of our life and our parents' life and their parents' life that our nervous systems have been entrained to is going to manifest then on the right side or the left brain. So, just by nature of what controls what in the brain, we do see patterns of affiliated with um, certain categories of ouch <laughs> certain categories of trauma. Um, and yeah, speaking speaking your truth is often associated with jaw pain or throat discomfort or even pelvic floor issues. So the throat and the pelvic floor are energetically connected. They're both open uh, diaphragm domes that live in our body that can be uh, penetrated or affected. and so, Yeah, there's, there's, (laughs) there are definitely trends and I just want the caveat of, and also anomalies.
1: (laughs) No, totally. I, I, I asked the question that it's, uh, curious to me. And again, I, I was only recently diagnosed with depression recently being a couple of years ago and kind of why I started this podcast because I was. Kind of touching on the duality of like I'm a very vivacious person, but I also like in moments of silence have very negative self-talk, which is not helpful. Interesting and so yeah. duality of feeling fraudulent being diagnosed as depression while I'm like, but I'm great when I'm around people. Right, right. Kind of but um to this point um that sort of brain gut health thing and just like having a symptom that's so loud but kind of not really understanding so whilst you're talking more muscular perhaps here i guess i'm relating it to more a digestive issue yeah how well, it's, it's common it's, so many of my friends like either have um get thrush or um what mm-hmm. like yeast infections or mm-hmm. gut health and usually like maybe that's a parallel to trying to be a loud signal of depression of emotion
0: yeah well it's it's usually a boundary issue of um I mean this is uh, this is please my own world and my own interpretation but what I've noticed trending is any sort of overgrowth is typically associated with an emotional or historical boundary issue that your little girl or little boy inside is trying to say like either i feel safer when i let too many things in or or i don't want to let anybody in so so when i work with people i work on both ends of that spectrum and even depression is usually your soul if you want to believe in the concept of a soul so your your highest expression of joy and and beingness and presence isn't being isn't being expressed and so it's it's like i I have these negative thoughts and society has told me it's not safe or right or accessible, acceptable to express these negative thoughts, but that's anything but the truth. And so in body church, which is the place that I've created in order to m- move through this, there's curriculum and classes and somatic movement and, and weekly classes that I do that I lead and other people lead. Um, I Leave space to actually express and discharge these negative thoughts. So oftentimes they're playing on repeat, 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 and taking over your life and taking you down. And and because they just want to be expressed. And we're so afraid as a society to actually say, I want to kill myself. And you're like, oh gosh. And then you go into the storyline of why, and it makes so much sense. So I deal with people who are suicidal and depressed quite often, and I give them permission to slowly, at the pace of their nervous system, start to unveil, okay, which part of you wants to die? Which part of you wants to die? There's actually a lot of wisdom in that. Yeah, let's... let's. Put that part of you, just one tiny little part of the multi-spectrum multi-character person that you are. this part of you is ready to go into a chrysalis, turn into goo, and re-emerge as an elevated expression of itself that now has wings and looks like a butterfly. So there is actually so much wisdom in death, and as a society, we don't allow ourselves to be in tune with the seasons. Like look at the trees every winter. Their leaves die and they fertilize the ground so that the roses, so that the trees, so that the people, you know, everything, the plants around it can be nourished by its death. We have that too. And so when we're not allowed to let ourselves go, we're not nourishing the thing that actually wants to come forward. And so that's a common Oh my gosh, that is such a common narrative that I run across with people who have suicidal thoughts or, or are feeling like I'm not, I just am, you know, those voices can be really loud. I'm like, listen to them. They're wise. We love them.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the hard thing is like also through talk therapy, you're sort of taught to not listen to them as well. Oh. I understand. Sure. It. Sure. If yes. You're, if you're believing it as truth, yes. but you're right. It's telling you that something's not aligned or something's not right. Or just repeating a narrative that doesn't serve you. And I think that's been a lot of my history is you're not good enough. You'll never be good. You know, but it's all coming from me. It's like, no one told me that necessarily. But that's
0: not necessarily true. Like oh. you're when we're young, our nervous systems are entrained to our parents or our caretakers. And you can kind of look back and be like, oh, who actually taught me that I'm not good enough? Whose voice is this? Oh my gosh, it's my mom's. And whose voice is that? Oh my gosh, it's her dad's. And whose voice is that? Oh my gosh, it's society's. And so the these stories are not ours we are just told that our soul doesn't actually tell us that 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 is just a part of us that has been entrained to believe this particular frequency that is being expressed in our nervous systems and so I just honor you know everything that you've gone through and every story that that exists in your body and and like it's not just your story. It's a systemic story. It's a, it's a intergenerational story. And a lot of the work that I do is to stop that cycle of abuse by recognizing these narratives and speaking them all the way through into their empowerment.
1: Mm. Um, my God, I feel like time has been sucked into some weird vortex with you because I'm (laughs) so engaged. Um, I was like, Holy guacamole. Uh, I, I do want to ask, and I just have two more questions. Um, for for people who may be sitting on uh, one side of the fence here and being like, I have versions of chronic pain. You know, what I don't deal with will deal with me. Maybe it comes up when I'm drinking or there's some pain or trauma. Like, there's can be a lot of hesitation for people to dive into the work, especially if they don't know where it's coming from. I just wondered if you had something sort of encouraging to say as someone who has done that work I I just I know so many people who sit on the other side of it and don't have the time don't have the energy don't have the finances which is all excuses but don't you know are hesitant to to go into this space about what you might say on the other side of it being like
0: come over oh my gosh it's a very real hard thing that requires the privilege of time and an ability to go into a cocoon and turn to goo. I realized that I was given the privilege of as soon as this body awareness started waking up, I got laid off from my job and I was like, well, that's divine timing. And so I was given, you know, minimum six months of, wow, I'm getting paid to exist. I'm going to go so deep into this experience. So I realized it's it's a very real thing that people don't get the privilege of that. And so for those who are feeling so stuck and trapped in this reality, recognizing that you can make really small shifts without the narrative. And so your breath and the tension in your body are the simplest place to start. So I teach a practice called Spirokinetics at Body Church. Um, I invite you to please come to body church and learn the practice. You can do it in one minute. You can do it all day long if you'd like. It's something that I do as soon as I wake up and whenever I'm feeling stressed or whenever I'm unsure of something. And it's as simple as as moving your body and breathing. And your nervous system has all of the answers that you need. Your nervous system has all of the answers that you need. So prioritizing, how is my breath? Is there tension in my breath right now? where am I feeling pain in my body? And I understand there is a very real experience of, it's a not safe to feel in my body. And so not pushing for anything, being very present and meeting your system and your body where it is. It is the very, the most important thing. And that's still to this day, after two years of doing this personally, every day devoted to this, my devotion is not to healing my body. My devotion is to showing up in presence to ask my body, what do you need me to know today? And it's always different and it's always a surprise. And so for if you're interested on in going this journey, maybe take a look at your movement modalities, your routines and seeing where am I being rigid and not allowing the wisdom and the cyclical nature of my body to actually have a safe space to be, have a space to, to to speak. And so that's what I would say is, I know it's hard. It's a lot. It's lifetimes and generations of abuse and the cycle of my dad didn't know what to do and his dad didn't know what to do. And, and these stories that are passed on through generations of this is how we handle things. And then the stories that society creates from that consciousness, It's really, really, really big. It's really big and it's very dense and it's very layered and there's hope. And that hope comes with staying present, untangling all the stories that are not your soul so that you can eventually speak your, speak your truth. It's not going to look like anybody else's truth. It's going to be your truth. But our truth, unfortunately, sounds so much like the stories that we've been told that it is a process to unwind that. And, you know, I've met, I've sat in the bathtub and I've met a voice that says, why don't you just drown yourself in the bathtub? Like it actually, and I'm like, wow, I really understand when people said, I heard a voice that told me to do this. Mm-hmm. It Sounds like my voice. And it's a part of me that has this idea that has this wisdom of, this is, the, this is what I need to do. And here's why. And it makes logical sense. And my mastery and my devotion is to, discerning what that voice is that voice is ancient that is an ancient voice of here's how we handle things that lives in my genes that lives in my family that lives in my blood and so to be able to discern the voices that that is the mastery of being able to understand who you are and how many parts of you want to come out and express themselves Mm -hmm.
1: So good, you're. I could talk to you. Well, yeah, forever. But I know uh, <laughs> my time with you is limited. The last thing I want to ask. It's a question I ask all my guests, and you can interpret it however you like. But Sorry. I'm curious what your brain looks like if it were a picture or a scene.
0: Oh, that is a question. You yeah. know,
1: <laughs> and if I change
0: but today, what is it? Yeah, what does it look like? My brain looks like. if there was a map okay imagine the globe the earth okay and every single energy that exists on the earth is then personified in a picture so you've got like peacocks and and like underworld creatures and like people of all colors and nations and like literally this whole the whole world that is what my brain feels like (laughs) just anything that
1: sounds I like that. I, I think that's good. I, and so you're zoomed out from it. Like you can see the whole thing.
0: Yeah. And it's just hey, cool. like you spin it and you just see everything. It's just like, whoa, what's that? And where can we go? And like, look at that tree and that plant and that like oh. dark energy and 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 that snake and that like a color and just, just everything. <laughs>
1: that's a beautiful curiosity. I like that. That's a cool way to look at the world. What a great brain you have. I love
0: that. <laughs> You know it's kind of crazy in here, but it it's been very helpful in understanding very diverse, very fringe, uh, other people's very fringe brains. I'm like, I got you. I understand. I get it. I've been there in my and at least in my imagination. I understand.
1: That's beautiful. Um, if people want to find you, they want to learn more about the Body Church. Where can they go?
0: Yeah, please. I would love for you to. Uh, come learn the spirokinetics breath practice. It's so impactful. You can find out more information at bodychurch.com uh, where you can join the membership or join just a one-off class or enjoy a, a course that that I'm teaching. Uh, or if you want to get in touch with me personally, you can find out more information at lizletchford.com or on social media at Liz Letchford.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for taking time with me today. I'm really grateful. It's a great way to start my day too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. This is a really fun conversation.